You're listening to the Grossed Out Podcast with Rob Gross. It's me. I'm Rob Gross. Welcome to a special Thanksgiving mini-sode edition of the Grossed Out Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Gross. I am uh, not excited at all. Actually, I'm, I'm more than beyond excited to welcome my first repeat guest back to the show, welcoming the wonderful Anna Herda, also my wife, to the podcast. Hi! So, um, we basically decided that we wanted to do these mini-sodes ongoing, and we thought we'd start them after about ten episodes, so we're jumping the gun at seven or eight, but um, something like that. But we figured we would start by giving thanks to... We're each going to pick three records. We don't know what we're picking. I mean, we know. The other one doesn't know. <laughs> so we're going to... I have no fucking clue. Um, we don't know what we're going to talk about here, but basically we came up with a list, three apiece, of records that we're thankful for, why we're thankful for them, and uh, they're not our favorite records. Well, they could be. I don't know. And uh, we're going to dig in. So how do you want to do this? Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Why don't... You know what? This is your brainchild producer so why don't why don't you go first okay but do you want to do in order of importance do you want to do random i would rather do random because then you're gonna have to make me on the spot pick this is like the importance and i don't like that at all so we can do this the right way the wrong way (laughs) or the max power way um let's do it the max power way let's go at random because i really don't have an order i don't have an order either and i'm curious if you could guess any of mine I think I can guess maybe one of yours, but I don't think you will be able to guess any of mine. I swear to God, if you're like, listen, Bananarama's greatest hit. <laughs> fucking t- Although, also, I, I, I'm gonna pre- I don't hope I don't fuck up your list. We're going to preempt this. No compilations, no greatest hits, no holiday records. We should have talked about this before we recorded. Oh, shit. <laughs> no, my, actually, mine are all actual albums because... Great. The, the homework was to do albums. Right. And those, I know what an album is. Me too. Uh-huh. Okay, great. You go first. Okay. Do you want to guess any of mine or? I want to say that you're going to pick Wildflowers for something. Uh-huh. But that record fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's not on my list, but it is a, I am thankful for that album. Me too. All right. Um, and I would also think that you would pick the Wilburys. You'd think, wouldn't you? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> All right, you go first. No. First okay. pick. Anna, Anna Heard is illustrious first pick, and go. Okay. Don't ever tell me what to do. I'll go in my <laughs> own time. Yeah, this sounds about right. Um, I'm going to do. I'm going to do one that I don't think will be a surprise to you at all. Uh-huh. It's The Doors first mm-hmm. album, The Doors. Great. Um, not a surprise. Not a surprise at all. No. That was. The I am thankful for that album because that's the first album that, or the first band, the first album that made me fall in love with a band. And it was like, oh, whoa. Because before that, music was just music and it was great and it was music. But when, when I first heard The Doors, it's like, oh, whoa. Holy shit. I love this band. So how old were you? So, so all right, one, a two-parter. Tell me about what you were listening to at the time and why that changed you. And then how old were you? Um, I'd have to put it around like seventh grade. Because like 12, 13. Yeah, so 12 or 13. Yeah. Like Pearl Jam hadn't entered the picture yet, but they soon would. Right. Um, and Joe it was, Piscopo was a young... <laughs> it was... So it was like I was listening to a lot of classic rock and a lot of hip hop. So it was a lot of the oldies, not like... I wasn't listening, so it's Seattle, so I wasn't listening to KSW yet, but I was listening to Cube, which at the time was a hip-hop station, Mm -hmm. and I was listening to KJR, which was the oldies station. Like, oldies classic rock, but more oldies, but it was around that time that I kind of switched over from the oldies, which is why, as you know, I know every single word to every 1950 song ever written. You really do. Um, And then I switched to, I went up the dial and and discovered classic rock. And it was like, and I always knew classic rock because my dad, like, he raised me on a healthy diet of it. So it's not that I was unfamiliar, um, but it it is where I'm most comfortable is classic rock. I'd still say that's the way you are. Yeah. Oh, I'm a classic rock girl, for sure. Well, I mean, now our music is classic rock. I know. And it's been so for a while. I know. 
That's um, why. <laughs> Learn your I lesson, kids. I haven't heard it like, at the dentist yet. I mean, I've heard of the grocery store, which is a blow. But I haven't uh, heard it at the dentist yet. Any of our stuff? Or the doors? Like, any, anything, uh, any, any of our music, our genre. I heard, without you getting how you get about this band, mm-hmm. actually, be whatever you want, but it, this <laughs> is just... Come on, go with me. I was at the dentist once and heard Interstate Love Song. But that's... But that that's, is equally as painful to the <laughs> dentist is listening to that song. Yeah, Anna hates Stone Temple Pilots. I do, and I'd like to do an entire episode. I know you're positivity-based in this podcast, but I would love to be on to do... Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> ...an entire episode on why that band sucks. Yeah, that we should do that. So anyway, back to... The Doors, um, sure. like it's got my favorite Doors song on it, which is Soul Kitchen, and I will defend the Doors to because I know it gets a bad rap because a lot of it's like, oh, he was a stumbling drunk. Well, you know, so are a lot of these singers. Sure, and also that's something that I kind of was talking about with Billy in the Beatles episode, where it's they they put more so than the Beatles, actually way more when you look at like album length and mm-hmm. depth of where they were going and uh-huh. making poetry album. I mean, that was obviously possible, yeah. but but um, they put out six records in four years? Uh-huh. That's insanity. It's cocaine. It, it, it's definitely cocaine. It, the 70s were different. It was like there was so much turmoil happening, and they were just like, we'll put out a record, we'll tour. We'll put out a record, we'll tour. You don't know when, you don't know when the gravy train ends, so we're going to tour and put out a record. Right. And then we're done. And it wasn't... Then, right. then, I mean, right. no wonder so many people burnt out because of drug use, because they were fatigued. Like, no fucking, no fucking surprise, half those musicians are dead. Well, and also, like, if you got dropped from your label, it's not like, oh, Merge will pick us up or Sub Pop will pick us up. Those labels existed, but not... Like, you were either on a tiny regional local label that was by, like, some dude who had a li- maybe, like, a couple thousand bucks to start a company, or you were at Elektra right. or Warner Brothers. There was no in-between. The Doors went from The Doors to shit like The Soft Parade in three years. Yeah, which is crazy. When you listen to it, like, musically, when you listen to it, like, oh my, what what is happening? Right. Like, they, they went from being, like, just straight rock to, like, okay, well, now we have band instruments. And I know the Beatles did it, too, and the Beatles did it first, and arguably better, but when The Doors did it, it was, like, oh, it's fucking cool. Totally. I think The Doors are more approachable than The Um... You're going to hear... I don't know about mm, that. I, like, in a way that, like, let's say you're in a bar, let's say you're getting drunk, you want to listen to The Doors, <laughs> you don't necessarily want to listen to The Beatles. Does that make you approachable? That makes you more susceptible to The Doors when you're wasted? No, I'm never approachable. No one should ever approach <laughs> you're me. You're not. <laughs> well, you are. I'm just saying, musically, I think The Doors are more approachable. More The Doors are a dive bar, and The Beatles are, like, a mixologist bar. Okay, if you were talking about that, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like and like, the Beatles did everything great. So like, I'm not here to. No, you're the one that opened my eyes to the the Beatles more than than like the surface that I knew. Well, because you had a friend at the time who was obsessed with the Beatles, and I think that puts a lot. When you know someone who's obsessed with something, sometimes it puts you off. It drove me fucking crazy because he had two obsessions. One was the Beatles. The other was Megadeth. And it was like... <laughs> well, he had the jorts for it. Oh, God. And the Megadeth shirt tucked into said jorts. And there were those color of jeans that you could only get at, like, a Mervyn's. Light, light blue. And I was thinking, oh, you know... So I was light. Thinking, I was thinking... I would, when I was looking at those pictures of... Because Supernatural just ended. And I was looking at their costume pictures because they wore the same outfits in the first episode that they were in the last episode. And... Oh, I told you that already. You did. I yeah. <laughs> totally forgot. Class, uh, classic me. And 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 throughout the fifteen years of Supernatural, is that Dean and Sam always wore like light blue jeans, and I like always. I kind of want to talk to the costume designer because like, is that a choice? Because they're like blue collar dudes. Like they're probably from, they're from Kansas and they're like working class dudes. So it was the light blue jeans instead of like the dark ones that the rest of us wear. Well, they shoot in Vancouver. Choice? It's an ode to be the Canadian tuxedo. No, but I think that because they're from Lawrence, Kansas. So I think it's I think it's a choice and I'm dying to ask like the wardrobe department. That is I probably like, very on brand for Lawrence, Kansas. I think it is. Okay. So now is it my turn? Unless you have anything more to say about the doors. Never. Not one more word. Um, no, I could say that. Oh, oh, but I could say that I got a chance to meet. Yes, right. Uh, uh, Manzarek. You did. And and Krieger too, but I didn't, and I wish I had. I was too shy. Yeah, I mean, they were just. There's old 
men at the time. Well, and Eric was a little like, ooh, he was, he's always full of himself, and he was that night, but he was I, should have, I should have said something to Robbie Krieger, because by all accounts, he's a very nice man, and I should have said something to him that was my chance. Oh, well. Yes. Well, we can still meet John Densmore. I'd like to. Okay, well, we'll figure it out. Yeah. He's always somewhere. He's, here. A, he's around. He's around. <laughs> I'll give him a call. All right, yep. All right, my first pick, I went with Def Leppard Hysteria. I knew it. I knew it. Why didn't you say something? I don't know. Should have gone for a different Def Leppard. Just record. for the record, I knew I knew Hysteria was going to be on there. I went I went for Def Leppard's Hysteria one because it's just it's that was the first record that I connected with ever as a, as a human. Because it was the first record you bought. No, I mean I, I well it was the first tape that the first tape that I bought with my own money. Like I owned things before then, or like somebody would I would. I think I had the cassette of Starlight Express. I stand by that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the first time that I remember being into a band. Mm-hmm. Like, the, it was so cool. Like, I, I already, I was seven, mm-hmm. and I already wanted to play drums. I did until I was nine. Mm-hmm. But I was like, wait, this dude's doing something that other drummers aren't doing. Wait, he doesn't have an arm. So impressive. So impressive. And then they made it being the first record that they, that he had. they had with him with only... The one arm. How many albums did they make before he lost his arm? It's like three, right? Three. They made On Through the Night, which is my favorite Def Leppard record. Uh-huh. Controversially, yes, I I'm know. I'm familiar. High and Dry, and then Pyromania. Okay. So, you know, that record is, it's just insane. It's insane how good it is, mm-hmm. and it's insane how influential it is. And what I love about Def Leppard is that when you get other bands that say, oh, you know, we're not part of that movement. Like when a band like Korn, I'm always ripping on, I really don't mean to, when they're always like, oh, we're not part of the new metal scene or like Deftones will say that. It's like, you were, you might be something you're not now. Mm-hmm. When Def Leppard say they were never a glam band, they fucking weren't. Mm-hmm. One, they weren't good looking. No, no, it is not a group of good looking men. No, when no. the best looking guy in your group, I mean, it's become Phil Collin. That guy is ripped and he's like 63 mm-hmm. and kick everyone's ass. Mm-hmm. And Joe Elliott has aged very well. Look, we're not getting their looks. I'm just saying. No, they look good. They look good now, yeah, look you know, good. and they were, they were young for their age. I mean, Joe Elliott was 19 on the first. But I don't record. think they ever like wore any eyeliner or anything like that, right? Sav went through a period yeah, probably. Well, I think Viv did too. Maybe, sure, yeah. whatever. Well, they've had the really high hair. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He had awesome hair. Yeah. He also beat cancer like two years ago. Did he really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't rules. know that. Um, and he's like in a Dio tribute. because he, he was in Dio's band for years also. So. And now he's in a Dio tribute band? Not a tribute. I think he, is he in <laughs> Last in Line? He's in a band that plays Dio, res- respecting the catalog with said singer. Mm-hmm. Not Dio, obviously. Not the hologram, although I think he did that too. Anyway, um, that record just... I remember not understanding what any of the songs were about, but I knew they were sexual. So I was like, hee, hee, hee. <laughs> like, I'm like, well, Women, the, the, the album, which is still top three favorite Def Leppard song for me, mm-hmm. top five. That song is fucking dark and heavy and like Gods of War and all these. It's one of those records where the songs that were not hits mm-hmm. are in the minority. They had like... They went. I think they had like six or seven or eight hits on that record out of twelve songs. Mm-hmm. It was just impressive, and I I'll still go back to that record probably like once a year and still be impressed and still hear things that I didn't hear when I was seven. I just I love that record and I love that band. They've definitely let me down over the years and made some really really sloppy albums. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're just it just that's just where it all started for me. They'll always be there for you. They'll always be there for me. And also I and I I told a bit of this in another episode where I had to buy that tape so many times because it kept getting stolen at summer camp. I think I bought <laughs> I think I bought the tape like three or four times. Then I got the C D Nobody ever wanted my tapes at summer <laughs> camp. My cabin mates were listening to like Nougas on the Block, which I never got into. Like I, w- it was always a mystery to me, and I, they'd let me borrow it because like, what? You're not a fan? And 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 yeah. they'd all be picking their favorites, and I'm like, I don't know, the tall one. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they, they, I'd listen to it, but like the tall guy. I really have. No. I mean, I was I was in the right age demographic, but it just it just right over my head. Like I wasn't into it, and nobody wanted my tapes because it was like. Uh, the Little Mermaid soundtrack, the Dirty Dancing soundtrack, which was the first record I ever bought 
first album I ever bought was the the Dirty Dancing soundtrack. I was bangers. Yeah, it was really weird if you were like the first soundtrack I bought was more Dirty Dancing and like Paula Abdul and um, Shut Up and Dance. (laughs) It's a great album. Or was it Spellbound? Spellbound. Yeah, I Shut Up and Dance. Yeah, both good. Yeah, no complaints with either. What was the biggest jam on there? It was um, Cold Hearted Snake. Yes. Hell yeah. I could. I could. That was like her version of Black Cat and not quite as good. I'm not to disagree. Black Cat has a lot of filler guitar. There's no such thing. Yeah, I know, no, like, there is such I thing. I know it's it's Slash, right? It's Slash is on Black Cat. I just assume it's always Slash. I, I do too. Because <laughs> it do usually too. is. Because it usually is. But I'm pretty sure it's Slash. But I, Black Cat is just mostly that riff. Yeah, it it's is. A, it is a jam. And it yeah. gets a lot of play around here because of our Black Cat. But right. I, but the cold artist name right. is better. Okay, but... Real quick sidebar, unpopular opinion, although maybe popular, who knows. In this house, I think I'm going to get that support. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we'll move to your second pick. I think, hard take here, um, hot take, sorry. Hot take. It could be a hard take. Uh, For some, it will be hard. That might be something else. It might be something, yeah. I don't know what's a hard take. <laughs> no. um, I think that Janet Jackson's If is a better Janet Jackson rock song than Black Cat. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. You're not wrong. I'll take a maybe. You're not wrong. You might not be right, but it, it is a jam. Such a jam. Oh, Janet Jackson's great. She is. She's not on my list. <laughs> damn it. I hope we're going to like segue into Rhythm no. Nation. No. No, but God damn, that's a good one. Yeah, seriously. All right, so what is your pick number two? I don't believe this will be a surprise to you because we listened to it in the car today, but it is uh, <laughs> Dark Side this, of the Moon. This one I knew. I figured it was this one or The Wall. No, it's Dark Side of the Moon. Oh. No, the wall. <laughs> if we if I did the wall, it would only be the second half of the wall because when I was a uh, when young stoner me was so was good. was collecting CDs and getting CDs, my friend Kyleen, her brother had the first half of the wall in his car, so she could only get the second album. So for a good year and a half, all we listened to was the second the half second of the wall. <laughs> well, I figure that you're gonna be the caveat player here, where you're gonna be like, okay. It's Dark Side of the Moon, but only because of Great Gig in the Sky. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's Dark Side of the Moon because that was the first album that showed me, oh, music is a craft. Oh, the silences are important. Oh, you can use, like, sound effects and not have it be cheesy and weird, like, oh, it's atmospheric, Mm -hmm. it's thematic, and it's deep as shit because like you can't listen to time and every time every time I listen to time and I'm a little bit older and I'm a little bit closer to death and it's like it means more to me now than it did then oh yeah because, sure like the you know 10 years have got behind you and it's like when I was 17 I didn't know what the fuck that meant but now it's like oh yeah you blink and it's gone literally the last 10 years were gone in a blink in a it's flash. so fast yeah but no, but but I but I get that, and there's it's one of those records that the further you go into the record, it just gets better and better. Like time is just, I mean, that song's everything to me too. But mm-hmm. when you listen to it's 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 a perfect song. It is, and it was should if it should if not it is one of the top ten best songs of all time. Probably, I would agree with that. Yeah, but you listen to a song like Us and Them. Yeah. Or Brain Damage. Yeah. It's just like. How could you write so many good fucking songs for one record? Like, like, and the jump they made on that record, too. Like, I'm a huge fan of, of, of metal. I love that record. Mm-hmm. That might be, well, it's not my favorite, but it's up there in, like, the top three. I love the, the metal I know. record. I know you do. So much. I know you do. But I to, don't fuck with it. I know you don't, and you <laughs> should. Echoes is on there. And, and San Tropez, come on. But going from that to Dark Side of the Moon, mm-hmm. that's an insane leap. Like, you don't... They were on some insane drugs. Yeah, and they <laughs> continued on that path for quite a few years. Like, yeah. Think about that block of records, right? So we'll, we'll remove metal for a second. Yeah. You go Dark Side, uh-huh. Wish You Were Here, yeah. Animals, uh-huh. The Wall, yeah. and then for Billy or Fool, Final Cut, whatever. <laughs> but 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 you that's just... You, you can't, in, in a decade that is just unparalleled... Right. Full of chock full of bands. Because it was seventy seven, right? Dark side was seventy three. 
Animal 77. Okay. But you're looking at, like, in this time period, you have all the Beatles solo, like, the John solo stuff, the, the Wings. You have George Harris so and the Dark Horse ha- years. Like, the 1970s were probably the best decade for music. Yeah, but, like, Zeppelin. Like, you, you got... It's so much. It's like it's mind boggling how much good music was out there at the mm-hmm. time. New music, mm-hmm. brand and, new, and this was still head and shoulders, <laughs> kinda. Yeah, and even like your 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 throwaway stuff. Even like you know like your brandy or your you know think songs like that. They were still amazing, and they're still around today. They're earworms, right? But they're good. Yeah, but Floyd... But it, and it's not unlike the 90s, whereas, like, right. so much good stuff came out, and even the throwaway stuff is great. Oh, yeah. We, we talk about this all the time, where, like... Or at least I say it all the time, and you just smile and nod. Mm. But um, but that period we had in the early 90s, where, like, the worst we had was fucking Jesus Jones. Right. That was the worst we had. I know. And it's good. I was there. Right here, right now. I know. Right then. Right then. Back then. Back then. <laughs> Um, so on that record, like there's nothing, there's nothing that, that sucks. There's nothing that no, is No, like you sing down. the guitar parts. Like you do actually sing the guitar you, parts. Like it's so, it's so ingrained in so many people mm-hmm. and it's, it's so, it, to say it's classic rock, like it's, does it a disservice because it is, it is the model on all classic rock and how it should be judged yeah like it's Agreed. just such a stellar album back to front it is or like front to back. Well, i listen to it back to front you really do yeah. You're weird. <laughs> did you as a kid do the wizard of oz matchup no you didn't smoke enough pot no i was drinking <laughs> no we did but it i think it only matches up because you're stoned <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's the only way it does. It's like one non-stone so friend's like what? So you're stoned and you're and you're like totally, it totally makes sense. Right. <laughs> it totally goes with it. Um, it's just it, to me, it's the blueprint. There's so yes. many. It's one of those records where there are so many genres and subgenres that have been that have been created because of that record, mm-hmm. and they have all tried, and even the good ones have all failed. You just cannot be Pink Floyd. No. Nobody can. Nobody no. can. No. They're, God, it, that record's fucking good. They are like the Beatles, where it's huge, they're untouchable. I know. Like, and and, and that's, they're, they're those bands, and we've discussed this, mm-hmm. that people shouldn't cover Pink Floyd. Definitely I don't not. care who it is. I like, was thinking about that in the car today when we like, were listening to it. Eddie does it. Like, Pearl Jam does it. And it sounds fine. It's fine. Like, when he does Mother. Yeah. It's fine. And he has a lovely voice, and it's fine. But people just shouldn't do it. It's like, and Bob Marley, you shouldn't cut. Co- don't cover Bob Marley. Just oh. don't do it. He both, did it right the first time. Both the Pearl Jam cover. And I like know. So <laughs> but no, but but, know. but honestly, it's like I was thinking. Like about... the Beatles is fine. You can cover everybody covers the Beatles because that's what you do because everybody on earth who has ever picked up a guitar is influenced by the yeah. Beatles. Beatles, Sabbath, but, Zeppelin, sure. But Floyd, like, just don't do it. Like my favorite covers of all time are when Train decided they want to cover all of Zeppelin too. I can't even say that with a straight face. I hope it's bedazzled. I hope it came with a bedazzling kit. Wait, did they really do that? Yes. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Are we Are we good to move on now? All right. So my second pick. Yeah. Fuck, we talk about Pat Monahan more on this podcast. I know. We should just uh, make it the Pat, the Pat Monahan podcast. This is now Pods of Jupiter. Uh, so. Pod Monahan. Pod Monahan. <laughs> Um, okay, so my second pick is the self-titled album from Temple of the Dog. Oh. The reason I picked this, other than it being one of the, uh, just the unsung hero of our era, I feel, that record is just why it was made, why it even happened, right. who was on it. Right, mm. And the story behind why, because, we, well, the story, obviously, but what's always interesting to me is that that record was made when Eddie Vedder, still, it was still Mookie, Bla- Mookie Blaylock at the mm-hmm. time. Pearl Jam was not, a, the, Eddie had just come up to Seattle. Mm-hmm. He really didn't know Chris that well. Right. He knew Matt Cameron. Right. He obviously knew the other guys at Pearl Jam. Yeah. But, or Mookie. But he was basically like 
not he's not in the band. Let's put the first and foremost, he is not a member of the band. Everyone thinks that outside of our circle thinks that he is. He's saying dual lead on Hunger Strike and saying backup on Pushing Forward Back. Right. But w- that record, so when I was, I think I was 11, and when I was that age, um, basically, I was already a Soundgarden fan. Mm-hmm. I'd already bought Louder Than Love. I was super excited, and I went to the store and to Sound Warehouse in Coral Springs, Florida, and bought Temple of the Dog. And I got, I came home, and I could not have been more disappointed. Aww. Because I was too young to really understand what was it happening, was, yeah. and I feel like you needed to hear ten to get Temple. It was like that's not what Sound Soundgarden was loud, abrasive, oh, no, that heavy. Has nothing to do with Soundgarden. So only like pushing forward back was maybe parts of Four Walled World, but like, like it was wouldn't just Jesus. No, it was just too. It wasn't. It no, wasn't he- wouldn't Jesus is straight from Chris. Like I hear, okay. I hear Chris and 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 maybe that's more Chris solo. Wouldn't Jesus? I could see is. Lady, this is my story. Oh, sorry. So, um, so, 10 came out, I bought 10, went right back to the store and bought Temple of the Dog again. Mm-hmm. $13.99 didn't come easy in 1991. Yeah. I, I've never, I've never lived that down. I feel so stupid for doing that, but, like, I still got it in the long box, still the long box somewhere, but, um, but that record just changed everything for me. Like, that was... It was such a mature record, I think. One, for them to make. They were all in their 20s. Yeah. You think about how old they were when they made it. Right. They weren't a lot older than us. No. I mean, obviously way older at the same well, time. Well, I mean, it's a difference of 10 years, so. Yeah, but like for, you know, now it's like, oh, wow, like the guys in Pearl Jam are in their mid-50s and we're in our, you know, we're like it's, it's not that far now. No, it's not. And then it was like a lifetime. Right. But those, I mean, look, if you didn't, fuck with the hunger strike video something was wrong with you at that time and then if you didn't get into that record that's what separated to me at the time like the real fans and then the ones that were like gonna drop pearl jam after after verses and that record is just so it's perfect what's your favorite song on that record oh my god um hmm it's probably four wall world Mm -hmm. but i i wish i could like take out the guitar solo, then it would be reached down. <laughs> I know. Reach down, it reached down is mine. But I, I don't... Yeah, It could be shorter, but I also understand why it's longer. Well, because it was this Mike, so the story about that, I mean, you know, this is Mike in the studio mm-hmm. going off. And I don't think anyone knew he could go off like that. At This This is 1990. Like, he wasn't... <laughs> I like to play. I like to play. Right, right. No, but, but honestly, right, like, and they said that he went so nuts. The solo is like six minutes. Yeah. He went so nuts, and it's off the cuff. It wasn't written. So you think about those timeless licks that he's playing. Do they write solos? I don't think they write solos. Some bands do write solos. Some yeah, bands write solos. Yeah, some no. bands write... Okay, no, fine. they come from the magic of recording. They come from the magic of recording. Okay, so in, in this, he was just going off so hard that like he, his headphones flew off. He had no idea if he was in key. Mm-hmm. And he just kept fucking playing. Mm-hmm. So for that, and then of course, when they come right back around, and it's the acapella, mm-hmm. and then... Cameron's drunk like mm-hmm. that shit is like it, it gives me goosebumps every right. time it's a wall of sound it is a wall of sound mm-hmm. and being able to see what I mean look we know we were never we didn't live in I mean you were living in Seattle I think you just moved to Seattle yeah. at that time you weren't old enough to go to shows no I was 10 right so being able to see Temple of the Dog in 2016 yeah. which was four years ago this week it was last it was like this past weekend those were the shows is that true mm-hmm it was last week for the LA shows, and then the, it was, I think Sunday, Saturday, and Sunday for the Seattle shows. Okay. It was awesome. It was awesome to like complete that circle, yeah, not special. knowing what was to come, obviously. But yeah. my God, like yeah, it was special. That record just it, it means the world to me, and it always will. It's never gonna sound dated. It's never gonna no. It's never gonna like. I think one of the best R and B songs I've ever heard in my life is All Night Thing. <laughs> well, and also in terms of writing a record for someone who's died, like a tribute record like that, yeah. it's not really done that often. Like there's benefits mm. and like maybe live recordings of a, a live show or something. Sure. But to write a record for someone who's died, I think like Eric Clapton did it. Yeah. And I really can't think of anybody else off the top of my head. No, we've seen some amazing tribute shows, like the Mad Season tribute sure, show. Sure, but but, but that, to that to put that together, original material, right? And so young, every they were all so young, like they were 
27? Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe Chris might have been 25. Yeah. Like, Eddie was a little older than them. Yeah. And so was, was Jeff. Um, yeah, it's just insane. It's insane that they, they were just, jo- I mean, that's, that's unheard of now. Like, imagine. Was, it, was Andrew 27 when he died? He was younger, I believe. Uh. I'm almost sure of it. I don't know, but that, look, that, it's just so special to me, and, like, even to this day, like, when I listen to, when you hear those opening notes of Say Hello to Heaven, yeah. it's just, you just know you're about to get fucked up. Truly. Rekha's about to fuck you up. Truly. Up and down. Right. All right. Uh, so, let's go over your third. What's My your third pick? third and final is the 1992 album, The Chronic. Yeah! <laughs> All right. Are right, you tell me about this. Uh, I picked this as an album that I'm thankful for because this was the album that introduced me to rap. Oh, interesting. It wasn't uh, Vanilla Isis to the Extreme? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I guess so, but... Real rap. I, yeah, actual. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how to count that. I, I was familiar, familiar with Vanilla Ice and MC Hammer. It was an album. I, I, did, I did own both of MC Hammer's albums and listened to them albums and listened to them frequently. Yeah. But I don't say I, 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 I didn't appreciate, oh, my argument's falling apart now. No, this is, no, here, I'll complete it for you. Those albums have aged like a wet, sloppy dog shit. And the maybe, cro- maybe it was Hammer's album that introduced me to rap. It's just pulling apart like a uh, sweater. You're like, fuck, please hammer don't hurt him. Oh, um, too legit to quit. No, but, but, um. That's that's a good one. It was the when I discovered that album, it was like, oh, this is rap. I like rap, and it wasn't until years later that I actually understood what he was talking about. Right. Because I do remember being in the car with my dad and listening to like, I don't remember what it was, but it, it was like Dre and Snoop, and my dad going, "How can you listen to this?" Because my father is, you know, he is a boomer. He's a cool boomer, but he is right. a boomer. Right. But he was like, how can you listen to this? And I was like, shut up, Dad. It's got a message. And him going, yeah, what? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not old enough to know that yet. It's like, God, Dad, it's about fucking Chevy Impalas. Every song's about Chevy Impalas. It's, it's about systemic racism. <laughs> Dad. Well, I mean, look, it was, that was, from like, I already knew who Dre was, but that, but the chronic for me too, it was like, that was a, that was a, no pun intended. That was a gateway drug to a, a, to a ton of other hip hop. Yeah, yeah. As it, exactly, and as as a a white girl from Seattle, I wasn't familiar with Dre or Snoop before the Chronic came out. So it was that that album coming out. It was like, holy shit, this is awesome. And then like following up with like Doggy Style because like, Doggy Style came out ninety three. Yeah, ninety three. And, and, and I was all about Doggy Style. Like mm-hmm. all my friends loved, it. and all my friends were like like me into classic rock and. And into like what was happening in Seattle at the time, but we all also loved uh, Doggy Style and, and Dre, and it was that's such an interesting part of the '90s is that those worlds coexisted at the same time, same time same place. and you could listen to this and listen to that, and there was no division. It wasn't like well, you 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 can't only listen to this and you can't only listen. To this. You could just easily because uh, MTV. Yeah. Like MTV made it, they would play a Snoop video, they'd play a Virgin video, they'd play a. Right. You know? Well, and it was real alternative. It was Lollapalooza, like, it, it, it's an event now where, like, it's almost like not like Coachella, but it's like Coachella where mm. you everyone goes, everyone descends upon Chicago and it's right. a fucking thing. And, like, bands, that, it's a great that it's, it, it's, it's almost like on steroids of what it was, mm-hmm. but think about those first couple of lineups where it was, it was, you know, fucking. Ice T played the first, the first Lollapalooza. Mm-hmm. Ice Cube played the second one. Mm-hmm. Cypress Hill played the third or fourth. So you have Cypress Hill playing alongside Sonic Youth, playing alongside yeah. the, the Peppers. I mean, I mean, I mean um, the Pumpkins, like with like Green Day. No, Hole. Cypress Hill didn't play. I, I get your point, but I'm just gonna mm-hmm. <laughs> actually, mm-hmm. Uh, Cypress Hill played with Sonic Youth and not the Smashing Pumpkins because Smashing Pumpkins was the Beastie Boys. Oh right, right, right. Yeah. Okay, and that was 94, 95. Yeah, because I saw anyway, Lollapalooza yeah. 94, 95, 96. You definitely saw 96, because I remember you saying you saw James Hetfield with a mullet. Yeah. yeah. I've seen Metallica, like, by accident <laughs> so many times. Yeah, that's good. And, like, the Ramones, too. I've seen the Ram- Ramones accidentally, like, six times. I never got to see the fucking Ramones. <laughs> you're, a pain in, you're a pain in my ass. Maybe you're in the wrong part of the country. What I did. I lived in the, the Florida. 
Um, that's really cool. I'm glad you picked that one because that record is something that's still in regular rotation today and we're going to be 80 years old and still fucking blasting the chronic. I hope when my dementia sets in that I still remember all the, all the words to like G thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I hope that's what stays with me. At least so you could do the ad lib for let me ride. (laughs) Um, anything else in the chronic for you? Just that I appreciate it and I'm thankful for it. And like, how can you listen to it and say like, this is, this is not good because it, it's it's great. It changed everything. Like it, it, it literally like it's you have to think about NWA. It made rap like an establishment. And I don't want to I don't want to say gangster rap because it's just it is gangster rap, but it is just rap. And it, it made rap like it established it. Like mm-hmm. this is a thing. This is it, it, this is how this is how it should be. This is. This is where we should uh, what a tent pole, like you like to it, say. It, it is. It's, it's a, a tent pole of yeah. like this is what we should be doing. This is how it should be sounding. This is this is what the talent is in this genre. It was insane, and that whole pool of like between Nate Dogg, Warren G, Snoop, um, Dre, uh, Cube, Easy E, all those guys put out insane records around that time. Mm-hmm. It was a really fruitful time. Yeah. And at the same time, I was bu- like, we're, we're, you're buying Beastie Boys and Dre and Snoop records. You're also buying Soundgarden and right. Anthrax records. Well, you're right. not, but I was. No, and but but the, 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 there was no the talk of having no boundaries in music now because of playlisting. Right. For a lot of us back then, we didn't give a shit about it either. It was fine. Right, but the boundaries were there. They were because totally everybody there. like in your high school and just like mine, that there were people who listened to rap and there was people who listened to rock and there was, like, yeah. people who didn't listen to either or, you know, didn't classify themselves in that way, but it was a lot of, you're not supposed to cross these lines. Right. But I think that MTV made it, to its credit, made it a lot easier to cross those lines because mm-hmm. you play, you play, you play nothing but a G thing video right back to back with, you know, Black Hole Sun video and then you play... You know, something else, like it's... What a block. <laughs> like, then you play, like, Sabotage, and then you're playing, like... Damn, bangers. You know, Criminal. Yeah. Like, God, you, you have... Really... <laughs> I know, it's truly, it, it truly. The 90s had a lot of fucking killer music. It was a lot of, like, a lot of just hopping, you know? Just, like, yeah. here to here to there. It was. On the map, and it was... It, it was okay. It wasn't so taboo to like reach outside your comfort zone and be like, you know what, I like this. Right, and also, um, and then I'll wrap this up because it's me dorking out on this stuff. Don't you have the, another one? I do, yeah. but I'm gonna wrap this up with you. Oh, this conversation. Uh, this conversation. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Oh, I understood. There were live. There's live instrumentation on the Dre record. Like, yeah. Th- there's a real guitarist. There's yeah. a bass player, and those are real, like, and a real keyboard player. Like, yeah. So. It, I don't think there's not a drummer, but that's fine. I mean, look, this was basically a band making a record. For the most part. I mean, yeah. Dre's a genius when it comes to production. Mm -hmm. It really is. Really. All right. So uh, I'm going to finish this up with a record that I am the most thankful. It's the the record that I'm most thankful for. Um, Extremely thankful for this record. Mm -hmm. And it is Mr. Bungle's California. Okay. And I am thankful for this record because it's fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm thankful for this record because, to me, this is... Whether you know it or not, it's our generation's version of version of Pet Sounds. Okay. It is. Okay. And I'm thankful for this record because I knew that I liked you <laughs> when we started dating. Because I let you borrow my then brand fucking new <laughs> CD of this album without even a second thought. Mm-hmm. Anyone that knows me, I have lent, I can count on one hand. The amount of records that I've lent to people in my life. Uh-huh. The other two that I, that come to mind, I left with, I, well, I left, or it was one of our best friends, uh, my friend from, from middle school, um, a wonderful human, Lindsay Roseman. Oh, I, I let, I let Lindsay borrow the debut from Eve Six. Oh, did she like it? I How think could so. she not? I mean, come on. <laughs> that song is um, a great song. It's a great record. I think I took that... No, I, I left that with her. And then I remember that I also let her borrow OK Computer. Mm-hmm. But I think I took that back. Mm-hmm. But it was like months, because it was like college, I think. But I remember that you... My, like, my favorite band is Faith No More. And I remember at that time, they had just broken up, and I was still pretty buttered about it. Yeah. And 
I you had been one of the one of the the, the last in a long line of people to tell me my favorite band was a one hit wonder. And you said it with <laughs> such and, I, and of course my argument. You don't understand in Europe this and it's like fuck and it's true but like. <laughs> argument you don't understand in europe they're huge they fucking are we're big in belgium they probably are so um and and i'm gonna preempt this with now you are a fan of all of all of this but well tread lightly i'm not a fan of disco volante nobody well i am but i i understand why that's a tough listen but i'm like you are a faith no more fan Sure. You've seen them live and you love them. I don't hate them. That's that's that <laughs> is a ringing fucking endorsement. So what happened is that I let you borrow the CD because I was trying to prove to you what a stupid move that I was like, no, Faith No More is not a one hit wonder. Here's Mr. Bungles California. <laughs> Here's how. Here's how by a different band. Yeah, th- this is his first band, but they're now his current band. But and it's way weirder and way more unlistenable. But and. But it worked because you re- you liked it. I like, do. And I do like that album. I think to this day, th- well, there are there are select Mike Patton records that you do appreciate and that you do like. Yeah. There's as a fan, I'm not one of those blinders fans. Like I don't give a fuck about his weird solo shit or his score stuff or oh. his. But when he focuses, I'm not even a Phantom Us fan. But when he focuses, like yeah. Tomahawk or Bungle, when he pops some focus in. And he, he really like so drills. He really one. drills down Love on what it. he's doing. Peeping Tom. It's magic. Mm-hmm. And that's why that's why Mike Patton fans are so fanatic because when he really does it, he does it. He does. He's untouchable. Yeah. And when he does. When he does. And the can- rest of it is fucking sitting out of a side of a club for two hours, only going in and staying ten minutes because the motherfucker is playing a saxophone without a reed. Let's be clear, that was John Zorn. Patton was there. And the reason we were there was because of Mike Patton. Most frustrating fucking show of my life. So that blame goes to Mike Patton. And did I leave the second you said let's go? (laughs) Fucking did. did. And it was really disheartening because I think the same week or same month I saw Patton and Rozelle do a a battle at at, at the Knitting Factory in New York. And it was fucking mind-blowing. And then to be like, we're now going to go to... to, No, there was a run of good Patton shows you did take me to, so I went along gamely. Keeping Tom, I saw one of the only two Crudo shows. I mean... But that fucking John Zorn show. I know. It's one of the worst shows I've ever seen in my life. you got John Zorn... Who's an accomplished musician playing a saxophone, but he's playing, the, he's honking on the horn and then playing the mouthpiece, not together but separately. A kumore, two different, a two different instruments. You get a kumore who has a drum set set up, but no, this fucking asshole is playing a laptop. And when I say playing it, I mean I don't know what Press she's doing. To it. Like I don't know what she's doing. And then you have one of the greatest vocalists of our or any generation. Just screaming his ever-loving cock it's off. It's infuriating. It was so maddening. It's and, infuriating. And my favorite part... And it's infuriating, <laughs> and as I say that, as someone who waited for three hours listening to a DJ play the same song for another Mike Patton project. At least that show was good. It was Tomahawk. Okay, so Mr. Bungles California mm-hmm. is so special to me because... I felt that you were going to go into that record, already knowing what I knew of you at that time, which was not much, but mm-hmm. enough. She's going to hate this. This is the end of me. Why did I do this? And you ended up really liking the record mm-hmm. because it is a gorgeous, it's basically a small orchestra kind of record. And when they toured on that record, it was they were all dressed in, in their Bermuda best, their Tommy Bahama fucking best. And it was Patton in the middle, back to the, to the audience. And then the band, with like two extra members, I think, set up as a mini orchestra. So I saw them at the House of Blues in Orlando playing like this on that tour. One of the best fucking shows I've ever seen in my entire life. It was just they played. Then they they played two covers. They played um, Dead Kennedys, Drug Me, and they did Lauren Hill's Everything Is Everything, which was brand new at the time. Yeah, and it was fucking amazing. And then he of course insults his fans, which we talked about. I talked about in another episode, which I think will be out at this time. No, it won't. It'll be out next next week. Where when you see an artist in their hometown or their home state, yeah, it's. I never knew Mike Patton it's wasn't wildly a dick. wildly different. It's wildly different. We'd see him in, in, in Orlando. Well, to be fair, he's playing Florida. I know. But to be fair, he Florida. did. Thank you for playing Florida, Mike Patton. Yeah. He, he played Orlando and was like, 
every he was like hey, everybody upstairs, and everyone would. This was nineteen ninety nine, early two thousand. Everybody would cheer, and then he looks. I'm downstairs, and he goes, "Yeah, those are all the fucking Kid Rock fans." And like, I just love shit like that. But when you get him on the West Coast, it was like, "Hey, we're so thankful to he's be so here." He's so nice. Like hanging out after a show, he's, he's so like nice. talking about records and bands and why he loves Sepultura so much and all that. Like, yes, I want to talk about my love for Sepultura with you, Mike Patton. <laughs> but that record is just so special to me because I feel that was it was obviously so early in our in our relationship and, and more importantly our friendship. Mm-hmm. And I'm very thankful for that that you gave that record a chance. Mm-hmm. Probably thinking you're gonna hate it. And it, it's it's a phenomenal record, and I, I'm not saying that you go back to it often, but when you hear Sweet Charity or fucking Retro Vertigo, mm. which Trevor Dunn wrote, which has got to be one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard in my entire life. Beautiful song. Or like Pink Cigarette, which is a doo-wop song. Yeah. Or, you know, like, the record is just, I really want to listen to this record right now. <laughs> it's so fucking good. Oh, I should have walked away. <laughs> should have kept it. Yeah, you should. You're like, anyway, I really like this. I'm keeping it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that would have gotcha. It would have totally. Well, it, it did. Um, so that's pretty much it for this. No, wait. It, I have an honorable mention and I'm going to do it. Oh, right. You had an honorable mention. Uh, it's Fleetwood Max, uh, The Dance. Oh, that's a good one. Because it wasn't it wasn't that I was unfamiliar with Fleetwood Mac when that came out. Because I was, obviously. Mm-hmm. But that album was like, holy shit, Fleetwood Mac's rad. And they were like in their 50s or 60s at the time. They were already old balls at that point. Yeah, and that version of Tusk and Don't Stop is still oh, are still my favorite versions of those songs. Yeah. So like... Don't Stop. Don't we don't have to talk yeah. about it a lot, but like oh, that... Man. that, that that was like well that's a good no you just brought up something really interesting and we can end on on this but i I really want to see if you remember this too that that was 97 Mm -hmm. right so around this time not only did we have all of these bands were like the and i mean this as a as a fucking fan the worst bands we had were bands like you know gin blossoms the Mm -hmm. lemon heads these are cracker these are bands that i love Mm -hmm. But that's how good it was. And then right. the old guard was like... We're still around. Yeah? Well, check out. We're going to release Hell Freezes Over. We're going to release The Dance. Right. Like or um, Neil Young with when, Harvest Moon. When David Gilmore, um, when they did it without Roger Waters. Oh, my God. Like, um, the, the Division Bell. Yeah, thank you. The Division like, Bell. <laughs> high Hopes. <laughs> like, hi, we don't need Roger Waters. Here's this fucking awesome album. High Hopes, which is, uh, all intents and purposes, yes, they... They had one song from the sessions that was instrumental that was released like two years ago. Right. That is the final Pink Floyd song. Yeah. That is a top five Pink Floyd song. Oh, yeah. Like, people don't want to talk about it because it's not as cool. Right. But the two records they did without Waters, yeah. like, uh, have two of the best Pink Floyd songs on each of those records. You have High Hopes uh-huh. and you have On the Turning Away. On the Turning Away is easily one of my top ten Pink Floyd songs. Yes, and I say this all the time, too, but they're all good. But of the four David Gilmore solo records, yeah, his first solo record from nineteen seventy eight, the green one, yeah, the the one with him just in like in the, the yeah, yeah just self titled, yes, yeah. holds up with any fucking Floyd record. It is so fucking good. It is really good. But it, what you're saying is like that period of the nineties where we had all this alternative stuff, and even the bad was good, and That's then right. we we also had all this. Groundbreaking rap stuff where it was like it, the Beastie Boys weren't weren't punk kids anymore. Now they were like making these fucking They're, opuses. Yeah, and and then the old guard was like, "Hey, we're not done yet." Right. And oh, and then we had Coverdale and uh, cover, we we had uh, Page and Plant, Coverdale and Page. Oh yeah. We had Van Halen's resurgence. Yeah. Which, like, we also had Chattahoochee. <laughs> I love me some Alan Jackson. <laughs> George Thorogood, the, the the change in my pocket. <laughs> Wait, that's not George Thorogood. Oh, who is that? Wait, is it? You know the change in my pocket going jingling. Oh yeah, 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 no, no, I'm that wasn't. Buy you a telephone or wedding ring. What the fuck? Oh, why am I drawing a blank? Oh, I'll look it up. Hold up. It's uh, not George. If it was George Thorogood, I'm really gonna fucking eat my words. Someone's screaming that. Uh, <laughs> I don't fucking remember, but but like all these genres had a resurgence mm-hmm. and. It was just okay. It was like, it, it, it was just, sure, yeah, come on, hop in the pool. It was really fucking right. awesome. And then... It was the Georgia Satellite. The Georgia Satellite. Keep Fuck. your hands to yourself. No, no, no give me no, that, right. Yeah. From, from, from the fucking cocktail soundtrack. 
Is that what that's from? 1986. Oh. You're a little premature here. Oh, what? Well, that video was played on MTV. Oh, quite it a totally bit. was. Yeah, did the back of the back of the truck. truck. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, on that note of the Georgia satellites, <laughs> we've really fucking slogged it uh, through. Can I change mine? I no, the Georgia satellites. With the cocktail soundtrack. So, um, and we thank you so much. I, I am, you know, not to be, you know, cheesy about it, but I, I have had so much fun doing this, and I am so thankful for everyone that's listening to the podcast, sharing it, wanting to be on it, not wanting to be on it, wanting to talk about why I'm right or wrong or whatever. I'm just, I'm super, super thankful so thank you. And um, I also wanted to take this time to, uh, got to plug, got to plug some big business, businesses here. Uh-huh. Uh, Anna has a unbelievable shop. I'm sure anyone that follows me or knows me, I, I plug it constantly. But uh, Memento Mori Goods, at Memento Mori Goods or MementoMoriGoods.com. It's Memento, M-E-M, not M-O-M. By the time this goes live, my Black Friday sale will be happening. So it's 30% off things automatically. So you should head there and... Grab some stuff. You should. And I, and I don't say this just because I'm sleeping with her. But this is really, like, <laughs> I would buy everything from this shop anyway. It's, I, I'm absolutely obsessed with the candles and everything. So it's, I, I love the joggers, the fucking pins. I'm super, super, I'm a big fan. Big Thanks. Fan. Thanks. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening to this 50-something minute mini-sode. <laughs> well, oh. and let me say this because you keep forgetting to say it and as your oh. editor and producer. Oh. Please leave... A five-star review. Oh, yeah, Please I do keep say this. kind things on wherever you review podcasts, but mostly iTunes. So now yeah. is the time to start asking people to leave reviews and, and saying kind things. Leave me reviews of just eggplants and five stars. I would love that. Words. Leave? Say nice words. Well, words work, too. I don't know. My grandmother always told me, if you don't have dick and fart jokes, what do you have? Nah. <sighs> nothing r.i.p <laughs> thank you so much for listening to another episode of the grossed out podcast we'll see you soon